Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. Welcome to This Spiritual Fix episode three, season three. Today we are interviewing Satyan Raja. Satyan Raja is a personal and business transformational advisor to over 100,000 clients worldwide. Satyan combines 35 years of deep study of Eastern and Western practices to inspire us to reach our highest potential. To us, he is an incredible and powerful embodiment of the divine masculine. On today's episode of This Spiritual Fix, we will discuss what it means to live in divine masculine integrity and wisdom as a parent, spouse, and lover. This Spiritual Fix, Two Mystical Mamas Hacking the Self-Help Game with Anna Stromquist and Christina Wilson. Hi, Anna. Hi, Christina. And hi, Satyan. Hey, Christina. We have a very special guest with us today um, that we are so excited to have. We have Satyan Raja here. And we are so excited to get into a conversation with you today, Satyan, about the divine feminine and the divine masculine. So welcome, welcome to this spiritual fix. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to share and enjoy my time with both of you and all who are listening. Yeah. So to give you, to give all our listeners context as to why we have invited Satyan here, when I first did, I did work with Suzanne Raja, who you are also going to hear from in a future episode. And I have been hearing about Suzanne and Satyan for a number of years through Anna and her husband, Eric. And when we, Anna and I were first coming up with the idea for the divine feminine and divine masculine, we could not think of two better people to talk to about this in all of its forms, how it manifests externally in relationships with other people, as well as how it manifests internally inside of ourselves. So I'm super excited about this conversation and yeah. So here we go. So I'm gonna just start off with a question, Satyan. So what is your definition or what is your feeling of the divine feminine and the divine masculine? So that we're, we're setting the context. I mean, they mean many things, masculine, feminine, to so many people. And I'll share the context from our understanding and the way we use those terms. So there's a spectrum of masculine and feminine within each and every one of us, in nature, in life, in individuals, in animals, in, in land, everywhere. There's more masculine and more feminine energy. By feminine, feminine meaning that which is connected to the form of life, the form of existence. So from spiritual traditions, if you look at Eastern spiritual traditions, the idea that this world that's arising in front of us, that's made of experiences and experiences are made of, you know, uh, images, thoughts, emotions, body sensations, feelings, tastes, textures, all the senses. So the whole sensory domain of existence would be considered the feminine or the goddess. And so those who have more of a feminine essence, and some of us have more of a feminine essence by nature, by birth, are more associated and connected and identified with the flowering of life, as life itself, as the light of life, as the look of love, the color of love, the flavor, the scent, the, the vision of love. And so the feminine within us all 
is always seeking and searching for the deepening of the flow of love and the fulfillment of love and the consummation of love until all distinctions fall away into oneness and just absolute unity and, and, and one love. So that's the feminine. Mm-hmm. What's left is the witness aspect, the consciousness aspect. Something, someone, some beingness has to be conscious of all that's arising in front of us. Who is the one that's experiencing the taste, the touch, the senses, the experiences, the thoughts, the feelings? That ever-present, non-changing, unchanging witness, or if you will, undifferentiated, vast consciousness, oneness, that would be considered the masculine in these Eastern philosophical contexts. Mm -hmm. And so that's where we're coming from. And that masculine within us in a human everyday form, those who are more masculine oriented, meaning they're more identified to the emptiness, the stillness, the void of life, their deepest fulfillment is not love. That's perhaps number two. There's this freedom, freedom from the obstacles, freedoms from the challenges, freedoms from the restrictions. So the masculine within us is seeking greater and greater freedom to find the unity that's there behind all the restrictions. And so these two are all within us. We just have to find where we are in that spectrum by nature and then play the artful game of this rather than some doctrine-based, this is how men or women should be. There's an artful game to play with these. And that's the body of what our work is about. So is ultimately freedom and love both end up in the same place. They just have different ways of going about it. Absolutely. And that one place is oneness, unity, consciousness, rapture, um, intoxicating, ecstatic oneness, the pleasure of being in human bodies and lives, love making in an ecstatic way, which magnifies our masculine and feminine energetics within us for the sake of an erotic game, an erotic play, an erotic relationship. And when we magnify it to their fullest, then there's so much electrical charge between these sexual poles that when you come together, there's an excitement, a heat, uh, a generative quality which inspires our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our purpose, our mission, our value. It calls upon our deepest soul's calling. And when we follow it that way, it goes far deeper than just great sex. It goes into great lovemaking and having, if you will, a a, a way to live life that's based in truth and ecstasy. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to ask, I know that, you know, in this day and age, we had a lot, have a lot of people coming out as, you know, asexual or non-binary or just all over the spectrum in terms of gender identification and sexual orientation. And some people feel completely neutral. So, if we have a listener who doesn't necessarily identify in the typical masculine or feminine role, you're saying, I mean, I agree with you that we have, all of us have all of this in us, different spectrums and aspects, but for anyone listening who might be triggered by those words, what would you have to say to that? You know, this is a very valid point. It's important and valuable to include everyone. This includes everyone. And so, for example, when I'm talking about these I'm talking about masculine feminine as energetic potentialities within our own being. I'm not talking about gender, mm-hmm. and nor am I talking about sexual disposition or choice, nor am I talking about what anyone identifies with. So some of us, you know, and it tends to be more so, and this is again, vast generalization, more so men have more so masculine energy. About 70% of men have more masculine energy. That could be a gay man. It could be a straight man. It could be any, it could be, if you will, a person who is fluid as they choose to be. You can also be, let's say, for example, a woman, let's say most women I've found in my work through the years, 70% or more about are more on the feminine end. Now it could be 51%, it could be 60%, 80%, 90%, but no one is ever 100% masculine. No one is ever 100% feminine. And so the idea here is, is that the way to look at these, the way I like to look at them as artful ways of playing with our energetic sexual energy as a way of creating a, a craft out of it, a playful exchange rather than, hey, masculine is this way, feminine is this way, and you should be in these stuck roles. Those roles are over. 
we're in a very liberated world becoming even more and more liberated. So rather than suppress these energies, if we embrace the whole spectrum within us, learn the distinctions and learn, ah, okay, I wish to be more my masculine focus right now. Oh, I'm at work. I'm going to be more my masculine focus. I'm going to go for things. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to direct. I'm going to have goals. I'm going to be in that energetic. Ah, when I leave work, ah, maybe I need to just drop all of that and enter my feminine, replenish myself with water, with drink, with walks in the park, with, with dance, with music, with movement, with breath, with nature, with playing with children, making food, communing, whatever, whatever it takes to bring you into the fullness of the here and now joy of life. So wisdom would have it that we get out of the fixed roles and become more conscious of the whole spectrum. And then that's where we get to make art rather than get stuck in the old ways of doing things. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Absolutely. So I, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I just get right into it. We're getting right into this. Yeah, let's go right into it. Is that one of the, the, the second question that we put on here, but this is also a question that I have, cause I think it extends the conversation is that you talk about, you know, like how you can kind of play either role. And then when you're in a relationship with, an, with another person, you're really able to do that same role playing too, and kind of go into I'm going to be in this more feminine aspect or I'm going to be in this more masculine aspect. And one of the things that I remember I learned from y'all was this idea of being that, that by you deciding what you will be, you allow your partner to in turn then kind of fit the role that they also will play. Yeah. So it's playing the game of polarity. Yeah. So there's three things that are happening in sexual energy. Number one, you are, depolarizing or repelling your your partner, your loved one. And that's if both of you are in the same pole. If I'm in the position of, hey, we're going to go for Italian tonight for dinner, and my partner says, no, we're going to do Mexican, then there's the beginning of two clashings. Two clashings. Because one person wants one way, one person wants the other way. Both are being directive in that moment. That's like taking two North Poles or two separate magnets, trying to push them together. They're going to repel. So that's one thing that happens in relationship, okay? Another thing that happens is neutrality. People can go neutral. This happens especially with lovers who've been together for a long time, long-term marriages, long-term relationships. Just by being in proximity, if you take two magnets, you stick them together, just over a period of time, they will start to demagnetize. The polarity between both will start to depolarize. It's got nothing to do with the psychology, whether you love each other or not. It's just magnetism, physics. So neutralization can happen. And that happens practically. Hey, what do you want to do for dinner today? Well, I don't know. What do you want to do? Well, I'm not sure. What do you want to do? So no one is now taking lead. No one is surrendering. No one is taking direction. No one is surrendering. That neutralizes and creates a stale, flat type of relationship or moment, if you will. Now, the third thing that can happen is creating an artful, ecstatic awakening of your poles where one partner plays the role of, hey, let's go. Friday night, where's something black? Uh, I've got the kids taken care of. You don't have to worry about anything. Where's something black? Bring a small bag for a change of clothes uh, uh, and a bikini. What? That's it? Yep. I'm not going to tell you anything else. It's going to be a surprise, my love. So it's from your heart you create a directional lead that leads your feminine partner in a joyful, wow, what's going to happen into an into the unknown with pleasure. And that is very pleasurable for the feminine within us. doesn't matter if you're male or female. It could be my wife doing that to me. I could walk into the room after a long day's work, exhausted, tired, a lot on my mind. And my wife might go in the masculine, throw me up against the wall, take me, ravish me, and, and have her way with me. So it's not fixated by any particular gender. It's a playful disposition of feeling into your partner. What would bloom their heart? What would bring them exotic and erotic pleasure what would make their hearts even sing deeper and when you have both partners playing that game with each other it makes for like sex passion and enlightenment yeah and and i love it you use the word ravishment which i'm so excited about because i wanted to ask you about that because anna and i have talked in the past about how a lot of people we know particularly people who identify as women may slip into almost an exploitation like they're so desirous of being in this pole that they 
sometimes even go into almost like an exploitation part of it, if you know what I mean, like, like not the what I would think of as ravishment, which is like you're you're occupying these poles, but more of a I just want somebody to take control and then it kind of goes too far because they don't have that. And yes. so so can you speak more about that if that's a thing yeah. <laughs> or if that's just something we noticed? <laughs> yeah. it, it, to simplify this in three stages of, of, of a state of being, when the feminine within us is in a first stage state of being, there's a sense of neediness. You're forgotten or you don't remember or you're in a closed moment, you've been hurt, a trauma has arisen or some type of feeling of I'm not good enough, I'm not beautiful enough, I'm not valued enough, I'm not worthy enough. When that happens, there's a feeling of uh, that goes out, it transmits from you. We can call that neediness, clinginess. You're looking to be seen as love and you're not being seen as love. And so it hurts the feminine heart. In that moment, that type of individual is attracting the reciprocal energy in the masculine and the reciprocal first stage masculine energy is, you know, wanting someone for their sex, not really caring as deeply about their heart, more the old school, only the provider role, not as emotionally sensitive, uh, more of a taking role or caretaking role, mm -hmm. helpless and the savior or helpless and the um, one who, you know, uh, is, is taking care of the house. Right. Those are the old school models, right? And we can elevate ourselves, we can catch ourselves, we can move beyond those first stage contracted moments and move into the second stage where now there's an equality of being. It's like, I'm whole unto myself. And this takes time, yearning, learning, healing, therapy, friendships, consciousness, awakening of yourself over a period of time where you go, look, I don't want to be needy. I'm not needy. I don't, I, I don't want to be uh, codependent on anyone. I'm going to grow my own healthy dependence, my emotional dependence, healthy self-dependence, my emotion, my financial, my personal, my directive, that particular energetic. I'm going to cultivate and strengthen that. This is fantastic, a very powerful phase. That's the second phase of feminine maturation, of empowerment, of, of maturity, of being. Mm -hmm. That energetic attracts the reciprocal masculine, which is on the other spectrum of lessening that old school rigidity of the male, what we would call toxic masculinity in some circles and saying, okay, I'm going to become more open, more spacious, more fluid. I'm going to get more in touch with my emotions, more in touch with my feminine nature. So those who are in more touch, you attract, um, let's say a masculine person who gets to become more in touch with their feminine nature from your deepest feminine heart, which is now cultivating masculine independence and direction. And so that makes for a second stage 50-50, wholesome, balanced, well-meaning, well-articulated, caring for each other's expressions type of relationship. The challenge with that is after a while, that's a big leap and stage and development from the first stage. Oh, yeah, yeah. But if you hang out in it long enough, the passion starts to wane. The depth starts to deteriorate. And the life force if you will, the evolutionary life force that brought you together, it starts to reside and go back and, if you will, go dormant. Okay. Because there's not such a strong polarity. Exactly. You both have sort of neutralized each other in response and in growth to the old patterns, which we don't want to live from the from yesterday, our parents and their uh, and our you know uh, ancestors, future you know, past generations. So what does, that, what does that make room for, right? What's yeah. next? Well, what's next is, is what you just said, the divine masculine, the divine feminine. And it's, I believe it's time now for all of us to accentuate, actuate, invigorate, awaken, honor, love, flourish, express the feminine and the masculine in their full divine spectrum um, and appreciating the fullness Right now, the world has been hyper-masculine for probably 1,000, 2,000 years or more. It's time to embrace the feminine because that's where all the healing is. That's where all the feeling is. And we need to bring healing. We need to bring feeling. We need to bring in Gaia consciousness, our love of Mother Nature, our love of our elderly women, our 
our grandmothers, our mothers. We need to bring in love of other women, our sisters. We need to cultivate love of our daughters and the all is one human family. And I believe that's starting to happen. And the more we foster and cultivate and honor that, the more there'll be greater health on this planet, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. the and I have a question about the first, second, and if we call divine feminine, divine masculine, the third stage. Do you think that that's an individual journey and then you sync up? Or do you think other people are like tuning forks? For example, I'm, wa- I'm making this up. Let's say I was single and I'm walking down the street and I see a man And when I'm near him, it's like a tuning fork. It resonates strongly with my first stage. But then I walk a little further and there's another man. And then he, you know, he's a tuning fork to my third level, divine masculine, divine feminine. Or do you think that I originate my, the attraction? Like, like what I'm saying is, can the other person pull out these parts in me or do I manifest these parts? Because it seems like you could easily sway between a toxic first stage relationship and then immediately date someone else and it's stage three, or do you think it, it has to evolve? Like what, what is your feeling about that? That's really wonderful question. I think, I believe it's both. I believe we have to do our own individual work and journey to through these stages, which are happening moment to moment, we, but we can stabilize higher and higher as we grow and we become more conscious and more aware and we work on ourselves. And, and at the same time, we're also attuning and becoming tuning forks for others. So if we know that we're both, that we have an individual journey and also the transmission that we are putting out in the world is a reflective transmission. It's like a world mirror. If I'm combing my hair and I bring my, uh, a comb to my head and I'm bald here, so that doesn't count here. But if I, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if I'm, if I'm grooming myself in some way and I expect the mirror to move first before moving my hand, it's not going to move. It'd be quite the ridiculous task to ask myself to, you know, have my reflection comb my hair in the same way. We've got to make the movement within ourselves first for that transmission to move out. So resonance tuning fork. Yes. As well as our individual journey and commitment to our depth. Yes. Both working simultaneously. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, so what is that? What is, can you tell us a little bit more about what it feels like to be in that stage three? Like, what is it? What is that? What is it like? Does it feel, <laughs> does it feel yeah. any different? But you know what I mean? Like, is it? Sure. That's a great question. Orgasmic, it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, it can, it's the full spectrum of what we feel, the wider, deeper and edgeless and with much greater heart for all beings, for all beings. You hurt more, you love deeper. It, it, when the pains hit, they hit deeper and harder because you're not dressed or armored. When you're in joy and happiness, you're even more joy and happiness because you're not armored around the heart. You're fully expressive. So that is the risk and the invitation and the ecstasy um, of, of, of these deeper states of being, which are all within us. It's not like we graduate to these. We're just accessing deeper, natural states of our own nature. And so from a masculine side, what that feels like for for many of us, for me, I can speak of, is it feels like I know what my deepest purpose and mission is. And when I don't or when I'm off it, it, it stings. It feels my like I'm wasting time. It feels like I'm not really here to do what I'm meant to do, whatever, how small or big or whatever size. I don't even care about the size of the impact, but it feels like being on purpose, being in the seed of what I'm here for, being in the expression of what God would have me live on this planet, what life would have me live on this planet. That to me is the ultimate masculine, if you will, divine masculine ecstasy, being on purpose. Everything else then aligns up, you know, relationships, family, children, colleagues, they can feel when you're on purpose and start to trust you because you're emanating this onness. Even in your weakness, you're on this onness, because if you're truly going for your deepest purpose and mission and on it, there'll be a lot of failures. There'll be a lot of obstacles along the way. In fact, even more so than taking the easy route of something that's not your deepest purpose and mission. So there's an ecstasy 
and a divine challenge to that. And there's a, an empowerment that happens at a soul level, at, at that divine masculine level. My wife will share more about the feminine, but I can give you a little taste of it from my own feminine. The divine yeah. feminine is the feeling of the universe. The divine is a living, breathing, conscious entity that is, that is your lover that wishes to enter you, enter your mind, your body, your breath, your being, your womb, your, your uh, anything that, the, that, that can enter you to feel you so that that you become, if you will, an, a ballooning, a, a vibrant, a flowering expression of, of love on the planet. It's like you're not seeking love. You know you are love. And knowing that you are love, you there's an abundance of love to share. And so the feeling is, how can I serve? How can I help communities? Like what you two are doing. How can I touch other people in the world through my podcast? How can I make someone smile walking down the street? How can I treat the neighbor's child as my very own? It's about replenishing life force, bringing love, bringing wholeness, bringing community into the world and doing it without any feeling of I'm going to get anything back from it, that mm. the offering is enough in the fullness of who I am. Wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> Love is the reward. Like you being love is your reward for the love you give. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. In terms of, you mentioned being a parent and I'm, you know, as a parent, and I know I've, I've talked a lot with Suzanne about how she's, she's done her, her parenting and what we obviously will talk to her about that too. But, you know, from your perspective, what, you know, as a parent, what do you think it's important to embody when you're teaching your son kind of about this relationship and how are you in these these kind of higher stage experiences as a parent because it's obviously not just with a couple it's also in everyone that you're in relationship with <laughs> um first of all most of the time i feel like a total utter failure as a parent oh your um, son is amazing i haven't given your daughter i'm sure she's amazing too but your son is like my my favorite person <laughs> he is amazing, my son, and my daughter's incredibly amazing, empowered woman. My son is an incredible, they both are incredible young adults. But I think one of the things is to recognize that we did not get a parent manual. And even if we did, it's hard to follow because the parent manual was for you and it wasn't for your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Oh my God. <laughs> so I just want to share, first of all, of my journey of feeling many times of failure and in those rare moments um, recognizing you know what I'm really I really did my best and sometimes I didn't and you know when it practically where I'm at now is is that you know with my son he's more masculine by nature but he's also feminine he's not as I would say he's more like I would say he's somewhere in the um I would say is about 65% masculine, 45% feminine, energetic, just using a general yeah. scope, okay? It's not hard and fast. It's just a feeling. It's not a science in any way. And the masculine within us grows by loving challenge, not by brute challenge, but loving challenge. So I aim to give my son lots of loving challenge, as well as loving praise and acknowledgement. The feminine within us, my daughter is very feminine, okay, very feminine oriented, energized, and has developed strong masculine capacities as well. She can direct armies. She's a really powerful young woman. And, but her core is deeply feminine. I used to give her lots of challenge, not realizing that I was crushing her heart. Because I grew up with a lot of challenge. Being in martial arts, it was constant challenge from my mentors, my teachers. They were constantly pushing me harder and harder. And, you know, little, little, little crumbs of praise here and there. And I thought, hey, that's the way we should grow people. <laughs> not knowing that that's perhaps not the way we should grow everyone. That was some type of old school imprint um, coming from martial art tradition that I was part of. And um, 
So now I spend far more time texting my daughter, reaching out. Um, I used to try to direct her life or try to fix this or give her a challenge. And now it's just like, honey, you're so beautiful. I can't believe what you're doing. And it just flowers her. It just, I see her flower more and more and more. This has been a training for me and I'm still in training. And I want you, I want everyone to know that even the 25 years later, I'm still in training for this because mm -hmm. my default is challenge. Um, and with my son, also, I've had to learn to praise and love and mature him. But I'll, I've also had to learn how to challenge him without the bruteness, without the harshness, without the emotional voidness or the not good enoughness, even inferred or inflected in voice or tone. I've, I learned, I've, I'm practicing, I mean, I'm in training to, to challenge him in a way that, that gets him to feel that I actually believe in him right now and that he's whole and complete right now. And that, yes, there's more that he can attain and achieve. It's all in tonality and in, in heart connection. So with either, with both children, to me, the essence is start with the heart. Feel what's it like to live in their heart. What's it like? What's the texture? What are they feeling in their heart before I speak? before I challenge, before I praise, before I give my guidance or I give my honoring. So, and, and um, I, I'm, I'm about grade three level, okay? So that's where I'm at. I, I mean, that, that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is, uh, is how you get out of the drama triangle. We talked about the drama triangle and we talk about in the drama triangle about turning the persecutor into the challenger and turning the rescuer into the coach. Um, and and that right there, I think, is is such a beautiful description of how to do that, because that that persecutor, I mean, even if you're not going to the, the, the strongest polarity of persecutor, even that moment by not reaching into the heart to to guide, you know, when you're when you're doing that challenge, it can easily flip, it can easily go into that other place. So that's that's a beautiful way of describing that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, every answer you give, Satyan, has me just left speechless. I'm like, wait, what are we, what are we asking next? I need, I need to digest that. We, can, we all can just take time to soak in the opening. So beautiful. I just, I'm just imagine, you know, just seeing how I can parent differently if I approach it in that, you know, what is the texture of my child's heart feel? What, what would, you know, if I was them in this moment, what would I need to hear? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I, and I and I completely relate as I mean, it's it's such an amazing thing to see how much parenting is really all about. Like, for me, it's just me growing up, like, <laughs> my kid, my kids grow up alongside me at this point, you know, because it's just like, it's, it's the 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 desire to do better and to or you know to do better whatever that means right you know to be more present to be more fully there and to, and to really speak to them on a different level to give them the tools that they need without without coloring it too much with this is you know to give them the tools of of, of discernment and to give them the tools of of growth and questioning and all of that while you know allowing them to be free and open but then also saying that no matter where you are right now, that is that is that moment. I, I just love the way that you've described that. And I think that sometimes that's what I miss. I often go into the masculine when I'm with my my, my kids. It's, it's not comfortable for me to go into the feminine when I'm, I'm with them, which is surprising for, for some people who might, that might sound surprising for some people. And, you know, really saying that wherever you are right now, we don't need to go anywhere. Right. We're not we're not we, we don't need to go anywhere in this moment or this exchange. I don't need to teach you something as if I'm not going to see you for every other day of your life or, you know, I'm even not going to see you tomorrow. So that's that's a really that's a that's a beautiful piece of advice. that I'm just reflecting back that I, I appreciate. You know, one of the things I want to share with our children and our beloveds, our spouses, our lovers is cultivating the ability not to have constant the removal of love and contact as a consequence for being wrong or mm -hmm. off or screwing up mm -hmm. the removal of contact and connection and affinity that is the to me the greatest like sword in the heart 
like t total rip of the heart where if I make a mess up, screw up in some way, I feel a retraction, a pulling back of love. I, I'm, I'm good with anger. I'm good with, hey, what's that? What that? But when love is pulled away, that is a pain mm -hmm. um, that we are unconsciously many times afflicting each other with. And so my invitation and call upon all of us, whether it's in our homes, whether it's with our teams, whether it's our organizations and the world at large, is when things aren't going the way they should or in the highest or in, the, in a good way, when, when shit hits the fan, let's see if we can keep our heart in the battlefield of love. Let's see if we can keep our heart present and alive and, and not shield it. Let's see if we can hearts even further, feel even deeper, and do our best to remain in co commune with, our, with the world, our loves. And that alone, I believe, is um, one of the ultimate superpowers that we can cultivate in this time of um, great division and stoking of division. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so speaking of pulling back, or maybe, or, or maybe, in its in its more extreme form, denying physical contact with a with a partner as a punishment, or with a child, or something like that. When you found that you've come into maybe a neutral spot where you you and your partner may have been stuck in a what we may call a rut, you know, for yes. a long time, how do you how do you move that energy? How do you move that from what feels like it may be like it's, for some people it may feel unrecoverable, like you completely unmagnetized from the other person? Like what what is yes. your advice for how you can move from there? Well, th this is the other pandemic <laughs> in relationships that that leads to a 50 plus percent divorce rate leads to younger folks not even wanting to get into deeply committed relationships because they've seen and have been affected by the failures of the past and they don't want to recreate those and that pandemic is neutralization and it's silent it's one of those silent killers it's another form of heart disease yeah you know, or maybe the and cause of heart disease maybe, if you're going to go, yeah, right. Exactly. They, they could be very much connected psycho-emotionally, spiritually. So when there's neutralness, and this happens, as I shared earlier, just by being around with each other, I'm going to give some tools that Suzanne and I use to repolarize ourselves. So first of all, when that happens, you cannot expect your partner to repolarize first. Hey, you show me more of you being in your juicy feminine, Suzanne, and then I'll show you my, my, <laughs> my virile masculine warrior. No, it's yeah. Put no. this on, Suzanne. <laughs> you can't make it a negotiation tool. It has to be, you know, Suzanne and I have a saying, and that's ignite passion first. Everything else can wait. There's so many things that go after our day. Time commitments, work commitments, business commitments, social commitments, so many things that are encroaching and are wanting our time and energy and, and life suckers and energy suckers and attention suckers, right? The internet and everything, everything. The world right now is blaring for our presence and attention. Well, that's the gift that we give to each other first. So we made a commitment when we started feeling moments of flatness. Hold on a sec. Are we're, we're becoming more like friends and not lovers. I can have many women friends, but Suzanne's my chosen lover, right? I want to have a lover relationship with her, not just a cordial friendship. That's me and her. We have that desire. Some couples don't desire that. They're happy to have friendship, cordial, plutonic type uh, loving, and that's bless their souls, bless them. And But for those who wish to have an invigorated, passionate exchange, you got to put passion first. And how do you do that? For me as a masculine individual, more so, what I do is I ramp up my masculine vibe, my masculine energetic. So I'll go for like, for example, last weekend, I went with four brothers into the woods in silence of nature, in, in, in self-challenging myself and others. And it was a big, big challenge. I'll do meditation in the morning. I'll do deep meditation um, every single morning. I set time aside, I go into prayer, I go into meditation, and I go into the silence of my being, 
At first, there's a lot of noise, and after a few minutes, the noise settles down. It's like if you take a jar of mud or sand and you shake it up, well, after a while, the sand settles, the mud settles to the bottom. That's how I experience my meditation. That depth of being invigorates my masculine vibration. Suzanne can feel it. When I come out of the room and I'm in this centeredness, she feels, wow, she feels turned on. She actually gets really turned on when I meditate. And other things I do, I take part in challenging activities like martial arts. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is my thing, but anyone could find a challenge for them. Could be hiking, you know, um, um, reading something that's challenging. It could be a mental activity. It could be an educational activity. But something that stretches you beyond your comfort zone, that takes you to the edge of life metaphorically, spiritually, physically, and then playing at that edge and repeating, going to that edge, that invigorates the masculine soul and repurposes, if you will, gives you not just a phallus of, not, not just an erection between your legs, but an erection of being. And that is highly turning, it turns on the feminine. Okay, so those are some, anything that brings you to your edge and practicing your edge, it could be public speaking, it, 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 whatever it is, okay, whatever. It could be going to Toastmasters and learning how to speak in front of, oh, that's your edge. That's going to challenge your masculine. Doing those activities in different ways is very powerful, but separately from your lover. While you're doing that, she can take on feminine practices to invigorate her feminine. Sacred dance is a very powerful one where you turn on music, you find music that opens your heart, that allows you to go into sacred movement, five rhythms dance, many forms of ecstatic dance from many cultures around the world, from new to ancient, you know, experiencing and cultivating those belly dance. Um, um, Self-care and self-love is one of the most powerful methods of turning on your feminine essence. So taking, you know, sacred baths, adorning yourself, uh, going to the plaza mall with your girlfriends and having them pick new lingerie for you that you would never, new clothes that you would never wear outside of your box. And, and you're like, what? I would never wear that. Exactly. That's why you wear it. So to help break open your fixed patterns of what you and how you, you know, dress yourself up and how you doll yourself up and how you beautify yourself, trying new rituals of self-pleasure, you know, having self-pleasure rituals, sexually self-pleasuring yourself, but having the, you know, finding a, a YouTube of Rumi to poetry, to musical poetry while you're self-pleasuring. So you're <laughs> uniting sex, heart, and the divine. When you unite your sex, heart, and the divine, it invigorates your divine feminine. So find ways to invigorate your heart openness. That could be playing, going out with your girlfriends, having more, not just for partying or drinking or all of that, but getting together and sharing, looking at each other's eyes, adorning each other, um, sharing how beautiful you are to each other, bolstering each other's feminine energy, invigorating it. So when that's happening on one side, and I'm doing my thing on another side, and we get together, whoa, both sides are magnified, and the rest is X-rated. <laughs> <laughs> We've ticked the explicit box on this podcast episode. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I Anna, love it. Anna, do you have any questions? I want to ask, um, I want to move into to, to Satyan's books and I have some questions with the Divine Feminine Masculine with your books, but I want to make sure, Anna, that you've covered everything that you want to ask with the with this topic. Well, I had all these questions prepared, but I just keep getting more and more speechless <laughs> as we go. Um, it's just It's just so much beautiful, practical information. I guess the question I would have is maybe how do you see the divine masculine and feminine resolving conflict, like interpersonal conflict with each other? Like how can you use this third stage level to resolve things differently? In the first stage, you fight about it and you try to become the right one being mm -hmm. right. Okay. I'm the right one. In the second stage, you try to listen empathically and aim to understand each other's viewpoint by stepping into their viewpoint and having empathy and understanding, nonviolent communication, empathic communication, deep listening. 
In the third stage, what happens is when the feminine energy, when the feminine energy is in some type of, let's say, um, intense expression that the masculine is going, ah, oh, man, I want to get out of here. Do the opposite. <laughs> Be totally present. Bring your presence, bring your claim of who you are, your claim of your love, and then penetrate your beloved with your eyes, heart, and genitals, with your whole being energetically, and feel that her discord and emotions, her wildness, is a reflection of perhaps how you might not be totally on purpose or integral or at your depth. Mm. So it's not her reaction, it's her response to any wavering of being inside yourself. That's a very valuable, it's not always the case, but it's a valuable approach so that you're saying, I'm the one responsible for elevating us into, the, into our highest. I'm the one taking us deeper. That's how the masculine approach would be from the feminine side is when you feel there's conflict going on in the relationship how could you serve him to invigorate his mission and purpose in life would it be through sensual touch would it be through showing really how much pain you have in your heart and perhaps you've been suppressing denying it not wanting to ruffle the feathers or feel too vulnerable expressing really how much pain or anger or hurt that you have so it's undressing and being fully expressed in the pain, the hurts, the sufferings, the, the, the heavier emotions, all the way to the lighter, joyful, and ecstatic and happy. And so when you're showing happy, you really express it because the masculine, their frame of awareness around the emotional centers is, if you will, more narrow by nature. The feminine is more wider by nature. So it, in a way, it's like magnifying, glorifying, the expression so that it's really felt. So practically, how does that look? When my wife, Suzanne is, you know, like feeling off or whatever, rather than talking, hey, honey, what's wrong? This, I just approach her. I just hug her. I bring her mm -hmm. close to me. I press my belly into her belly. I breathe her. I let her, and first she sometimes resists and she's got a lot of resistance, but I stay with her as if she's like a, a, a a cloud, an emotional divine goddess. And I hold her like a, like a pillar, like an oak, like a flagpole. And I bring her body close to mine, I breathe. I, I feel like a human resuscitation machine where I feel where perhaps her belly and her breath is shallow and I aim to breathe her deeper than she could breathe herself. And then I, and, and then starts to melt her layer after layer and after one or two minutes it's like a lot of it's like oh i really just needed that thank you and now uh -huh. we can speak and connect rather than taking 20 minutes 50 minutes an hour two days three days to talk about it hold cleave to each other under duress that's the essence yeah. how the feminine can support the masculine is in those moments as i shared become more vulnerable Masculine energy, masculine anger, upset, rises up the front surface of the body. You'll see when masculine people are very angry, their chins jut out, their, their eyebrows go tense, their jaws get tighter. That's that response of that animal fight, flight response, right? What you can do is soften the front surface of his body by yogically becoming a cool energy and cooling the front surface of his body down the front of his face, his chest, his, his belly, his genitals, and just imagine you're like a cool waterfall of love that's bringing his energy down so that he can come back into his centeredness. And you can do that through dance, you can do that through touch, you can do that through just holding him in a way that calls and cools his energy down. So it's less talk, more love in action through your bodies is the third stage response. Mm -hmm. My husband has been a student of yours much longer than me. And I know he's read a lot of your books. And one thing I feel like he got from your trainings, which has served our marriage so much. And I'm, I don't, I don't know what he's doing and I don't know what you taught him. So maybe you could explain this, but he said it to me many times that the feminine energy wants to push and test, and we don't even know we're doing it. And when I'm testing him, he just has to stay strong. And I don't, 
and I don't know what he does, but it, it works because I feel so safe with him. And I, and I see that sometimes I'll pick a stupid fight with him to test him. It's, it's unconscious. And, um, and I don't do it that much anymore as I've evolved, we could say, (laughs) but I definitely, you know, in the first years of our marriage, I tested him a lot. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the feminine desire to test the masculine. So within the feminine heart, the goddess heart, you are testing his resolve and groundedness in his center of being. Can he really collapse under an argument? Will he collapse in love? Will he collapse in mission and purpose? Or can he remain integral to the relationship? Can he remain integral to this moment? Can he remain remain integral to the bigger picture? It's all unconscious testing because what you're doing is you're actually training and testing him to be the pillar of wide open spacious consciousness, which is his deepest nature. His deepest nature is wide open consciousness, wide open consciousness. And his wide open consciousness can get contracted really fast by something that's irritating, right? Something <laughs> bothering you, and especially by your lover, your partner, who knows the exact and has a zero in <laughs> capacity, like a torpedo to find exactly where your grandeur of being and, and beauty and depth and being can go into a like a whining, you know, 10 year old uh, uh, fit raged. Kid. We know the button to press. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Right. So are we ever going to master this? No. Can we grow deeper into it? Can we catch ourselves going, oh, I'm contracting. I need to open up. I need to open up and become the space which allows for the full spectrum to joyfully love it. I like to, it's like making love with the energy of however she shows up through your uh-huh. eyes, heart, and gem, and being totally present and undistracted and unswerving. That after a while, she will, the feminine will start to calm that energy down, that testing, if you will. He, he will win that test by seeing that, she will see that he's not collapsible. He's not removing and recoiling love. In fact, he's showering me with even more love. And in fact, even giving me humor, playing with me, making some lightness yeah. of it, twirling oh, yeah. me around, uh, seeing it as not as heavy as I'm seeing it. And, and you might go, what? You, you should be taking this even heavier. You should be taking it more seriously. Mm-hmm. I love you. Yeah. Yeah. He, if he cracks a joke when I'm trying to pick a fight, you know, oh, and that, and then he has my heart. <laughs> I just love that. I'll just say that this is something that my, my husband said is like, I can't be vulnerable because then you start to, to not feel safe anymore. So for all the men who might be thinking that, like what, where does that come from? Or, or what advice could you give for a man who feels like he can't show any vulnerability? Um, maybe it's an early stage thing. Maybe it's like a stage one part of a relationship, but. Well, in a first stage, you know, in the old school, we were taught not to be vulnerable. Right. Vulnerable is danger. Right. Vulnerable is attack. Right. If you're vulnerable, you're going to get attacked. It's our animal instincts. As we grow beyond that and open our hearts and learn to become more sensitive and are on the, on the emotional, spiritual, psychological growth path, then we have to, we have to learn to become more vulnerable or we'll become unhealthy, we'll remain unhealthy. Vulnerability is a superpower. Right. Now, much of my vulnerability I bring is to my brothers. I bring to my friends, my close brothers. I'll bring my vulnerability to them. I'll share, oh man, this is, this is that. But if I bring too much vulnerability of my weaknesses, what's not working, my apathies, my self-doubts to my partner, she can love and bolster me up, but then sometimes if it goes on, it can turn into a mothering role or a sistering mm-hmm. role or a coaching role evoked in her, which I don't want, which will deep, it'll, it, it might keep us as friends and coach level and friendship, but it'll depolarize us as lovers. Yes, yes. So I yeah. bring my vulnerability more so, not that I don't bring it to my wife, but I bring it more so to, to my uh, brothers in my close intimate circle. And if you don't have any, and if there's men listening or those more masculine essence listening, then it's good to cultivate a group, a circle, small. It doesn't have to, it could be one. Start with one where you can get together and you can challenge each other 
and you can take each other to the edge that grows you with each other. And, and then when you come back, you've shared the things that are vulnerable, you've got advice, insight, or you've just let it out of your system, which is healing in itself, you've expressed it, now you come back more whole and aligned. And that's the greatest gift we can give, bring our feminine partners is our wholeness and our alignment and the living of our purpose embodied in our posture, our breath, our stance, and our actions. That's great. That's great. Thank you. And the reciprocal too. If there's all types of problems and pains and frustrations, for those of you who have more feminine, you're in the more feminine in the relationship, don't always bring that and spill that always on your masculine partner. Bring that to also to your feminine friends and close ones. Yes, do it, but not overly. Bring most of that to them. Sometimes just expressing it in the feminine circles with your friends, your loved ones, mothers, sisters, friends. It allows that energy to discharge in a wholesome way that can be served in that sacred container so that when you come back, you're in your wholeness, you're in your lightness, you're in your brightness, your shine. We want your, we want what, what the masculine really loves is the shine, the radiance of his goddess. That's what he loves, will die for, will win wars for, will go to war for, will do anything for, is for the radiance of his goddess. And so that's your deepest gift. Your full spectrum, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, intellectual radiance that you actually are and that, that you exude and that you, when, when you're exuding it fully, it fills the whole room up with a tangible love light that is irresistible. And that's the greatest gift that you bring to us and replenishment of the world and our, and our weary hearts and our weary bodies. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Anna, do you have any last questions before I start? I want to ask Satyan about his books. No, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just like, wow, I could be so awesome with my radiance. <laughs> I know. I feel kind of more radiant after hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so you have two books coming up that are being released. Can you tell us about them? Sure. Well, this one is more directed to what we've been sharing about today. And it's a coffee table art book. And this will be one of the Oh, it's beautiful. You're one of the first in the world to see this. And it's called The Path of the Warrior Sage. And it's an oracle, like a tarot. And it goes into the topics of sex, power, money, relationships, enlightenment, and, and warrior sage wisdoms. And you open it anywhere. And I'm not going to stop anywhere to have you glance too long. But yeah. It, oh, it's just beautiful. Wow. The art has been done by my close uh, beloved sister of like 35 years, Deborah Kasha, and uh, the writings are by myself. And so this is called The Path of the Warrior Sage, and it's available on my website, warriorsage.com. Warrior is that is that your new logo or is that just the yes. cover? Yes. And this there's five elements to this. And the five elements of the Warrior Sage path are power, which is represented by the circle, going from the ego's power to enlightened power. Then the heart going from the closure of the heart to the expansion of the heart. Then there's the upward triangle, which represents um, freedom or the masculine energetic of presence, claim, and penetration into the world. And then that's met by the feminine downward triangle, which is invitation, surrender, and expression, the shape of the yoni. And then the last element is the square, and the square is represented uh, is wisdom. So power, love, freedom, flow, and wisdom. It's beautiful. And so each one of these uh, pages or shares and expressions and wisdoms are all related to that. Oh, nice. And where would people be able to find that on Amazon or on your website? Uh, go to my website at warriorsage.com. Okay, it's beautiful. Yeah. We'll link it in our show notes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And then you also please share your other one as well, since you have two well, available. This one is outside of the topic, but maybe uh, of what we've shared today, but I'll express it anyways. You know, I work with leaders, um, business leaders, um, 
who are here to you know grow their companies, make a better difference in the world, and to grow their personal lives deeply. And so I've created two books called Transcendent CEO, and this is for business leaders to um, become enlightened and awakened. And it's accompanying Transcendent Culture, which is um, really how to lead your teams utilizing all these dynamics that I've talked about. I talk often in my job, since I'm in operations, about how do you, like when you have a company that feels as if it's it's toxically masculine, like maybe it's stuck in that first level and it's not expressing any care for its people. It's not it's not expressing the community aspect. And, and so I find that so fascinating because it is so relevant to us. You know, I mean, people say that most companies are, are psychopaths, right? That they're, that because they don't have that beating heart that says we have a responsibility to the people who work for us and we have a responsibility to those who we serve as well. So that's those companies, those companies are dinosaurs and they'll start dying out. Everyone, oh, yeah. everyone, everyone is waking up. We need to take into account the full spectrum of humanity, not look at people as chattel and human resources, but look right. and notice us as human beings and that we get to co-create. That's what's called a company. We're in a, we're in accompaniment with, an, with one another. And, you know, we can go from chaos into coherence by applying the principles. Um, and these principles in my book are applied in, multiple companies around the world, which have gone from zero to billion dollar plus utilizing and applying all these practices here. So not only is it possible, it's proven now. And the companies that don't apply these type of principles are going to fall flat on their face. Oh, yeah. Now we're in a moment of great transition. We're in a moment of great evolution. It's time to get on the bandwagon of having um, conscious forward moving companies on all levels of being. Wonderful. I agree. Wonderful. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Satya. And Anna, do you have any final questions? No, I just, I'm just really grateful that I know how valuable your, valuable your time is. And I just am so grateful you took time to share it with our listeners yes. on our podcast, because I know you've helped, you and your wife have helped my marriage immensely. And I think your wisdom can, I'm sure there's someone's ears it's fallen upon today that it will, will help. Well, so thank, thank you so much. I, I very much honor how you've lived that and brought that into your life. It, it always moves me. To me, that's the highest reward is, is when I hear how you're implementing and learning and you know, expressing even a portion of whatever I have with my wife. And if I may share one last thing. So yeah. after, a, after a decade, you know, Suzanne and I gave our uh, acclaimed Sex, Passion, and Enlightenment Workshop internationally to tens of thousands of people over, over the years. And we, we let that go about 10 years ago. We put it in, um, if you will, retirement. And we, over this COVID time, we've had like, I don't know how many people have reached out saying we could use some relationship support. So I want to announce here today in public that we're now releasing our brand new Sex, Passion, Enlightenment um, uh, weekend intensives meant for couples. And the next one is going to be in um, uh, Valentine's Day of next year and you can find all of that out on my website at warriorsage.com and you do this out of the comfort of your own home and you make or you rent a hotel for a weekend and make it the best date night that you've ever had. Yeah, I know you used to do them um, in Hawaii or other other places as a group but it'll be through Zoom this time? This this particular so we have couples retreats that we do in exotic locations but okay. this will be our foundation work applying and implementing and really embodying all these teachings that I've shared with you today, yeah. uh, putting it and getting it into your body. So it's beyond just an idea or a vision of what can be possible. We're going to like put it into your body through experiences where you can. Oh, cool. And uh, yeah, that's just over a, a weekend. We can really, uh, you know, you all can really up level your relationship. So I'd love to invite everyone inspired to check that out. And we've made it very, very affordable so that any couple can come to this. That's our mission. We really want to have couples. Oh, that sounds up. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Because in the past, the traveling was always the issue because we had small children. So, you know, going to Hawaii or whatever was hard to plan, but something like this is extremely helpful for people with small kids yeah. having that instant access. So you heard it right here. Awesome. folks. You heard it right yeah. here. <laughs> Everyone's invited to, uh, to take their relationship out 
of out of these these early out of stage levels, one stop stage being a stage one, one clinger <laughs> and you know what you know no matter how exotic or, or 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 if you will altruistic it sounds i want everyone to know that suzanne and i came from very humble simple origins very catholic very hindu simple you know not understanding any of this and we've come to embody this and so what we're going to be sharing at that sex passion and enlightenment weekend is how to bring it into your own life in your own unique way to bloom it wherever it is so it would be our joy to serve you in that way Awesome. And if everyone listening loved this episode, you're going to love the one where we interview Suzanne, his wife, and hear from the woman's side on all this. Exactly. Exactly. Satya, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your energy and all of your wisdom. We cannot thank you enough. In my joy, Christina, Anna, all my love. If you enjoyed this interview and want to find out more about Satya and Raja, go to www.warriorsage.com for more information. Also, you can go to our show notes to get a link to their Sex, Passion, and Enlightenment Weekend online. It's a couple's retreat, the first weekend of which is happening over Valentine's weekend. We highly recommend you go. We'll be there. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer... One girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.